So I did a very dangerous thing at the beginning of the week, Janina. Oh, okay. Are you recording? Yeah. Uh, Tell us. I did a very, I did a dangerous thing at the beginning of the week. <clears throat> I moved my the cabinet that has my uh, all, all of my what you might call hi-fi audio video media stuff out from the wall and and tried to uh, uh, sort things out so I could install a Chromecast. Ooh, Paul. And, and there are there are endless bits of equipment connected there. Everything from network routers, DVD players. Uh, streaming devices, uh, Wi-Fi hub, uh, my uh, IP telephone, my printer, receiver, etc., etc., and um, uh, and and lots of uh, HDMI and digital audio cables and all sorts of stuff. So there's that. Uh, the, the interesting thing was the Chromecast installed really quickly. Mm -hmm. but, but it took me about two hours to get the rest of it to work, which turned out <laughs> part, part of the problem was that I had an HDMI cable, which was uh, which was kaput. So once, oh. I, once I got rid of that and rebooted everything, then it all seemed to come along quite nicely. Uh -huh. So now I'm so now I'm wired for Chromecast, and uh, so I can do everything from running Teams meetings to uh, to listen to music. Oh yeah, I remember you. You had that problem uh, last time we we spoke that you had a, you were having an after work in your apartment and you couldn't get the, it on the big screen, right? <laughs> yeah, but now I can yeah. get it on the big screen. Now you can get it. And, super easy. And is this what they? <coughs> it's, what a bit, they... it's a bit scary now because because basically, I have this like uh, uh, projector and and surround sound and uh, and Chromecast and that does everything that all of my other boxes used to do. Before oh. oh and my and my phone of course yes. no no that's that's the modern yeah welcome to the a new world but also I guess very interesting that you said that you were living dangerous so is this living dangerously in the corona age yeah, it's well, like I'm I'm, I'm uh, stuck indoors like well yeah do, except all <laughs> cables apart plug yes. things in randomly <laughs> see if it works yeah <laughs> have a dangerous life. Indoors. Have a dangerous life, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still haven't connected my Hi-Fi to 5G yet, though. That's, uh, no? that's that's yet to come. We are still we're still waiting for 5G here in Sweden. To well, 5G we have, but the the real like the spectrum auctions to take place, and you know, it being outside the the inner inner city of outside Alma. the inner city. Yeah. But Janina. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, listeners. Welcome, listeners, to the podcast. Uh, we are the voice of 5G. That's what we, our podcast is called. And uh, uh, Paul and me, we are working for Ericsson, just so you know. And uh, I think this episode will we will talk we will talk a lot about Ericsson and how proud we are of what we've achieved during this year. And we are also very very proud of this podcast, Paul. Right? We are. Yes. And we are very very uh, thankful to our listeners, all all hundred thousand listeners of you. Yes. Um, uh, it's been a really interesting year or a couple of years in 5G. I'm sure we'll see some more interesting stuff happening next year. But uh, tell us more, Janina, what are we talking about today? 
So uh, we have uh, two guests on the podcast, like we normally do. And this time it's uh, Cecilia Attervall, who is uh, the head of marketing for, for networks, which um, is, of course, 5G networks in this case. Um, and then we have Hannes Ekström, who is the head of uh, our 5G access products. So those two we have on the podcast to talk about what the highlights were during the year for 5G and what they can remember about their work um, in this uh, 5G world and 5G year. Yeah, we've really, so we've launched and we've, uh, yeah, we've done a lot of things and we've handled the corona pandemic. It's going to be yeah, a lot to talk so we about talked, we, we talk a lot about things that happened, but also a little bit about things that didn't happen in, uh, in 2020. Mm. Um, and of course, it's uh, it's continuing the theme we've had all year of of all of us sitting in different locations, uh, chatting over Teams. Yeah. So, a big wave and thank you to Mr. Microsoft, <laughs> without whom none of this podcast stuff would work. Yeah. Just at the moment. <laughs> in fact, there's lots of things that we we kind of take for granted that make uh, make uh, working at home in a uh, in a Corona pandemic possible and we also think that lots of people who are still out there doing their everyday tasks to make uh, life possible for the rest of us yeah yeah those are heroes out there but first paul do we have some uh, 5g news we want to talk about or anything we want to reflect on from our side yeah well uh, there were a couple of things i thought i thought we could uh, we'd take a quick chat about uh, about devices since, as it's coming up to christmas mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe we look a little bit on what's happening on speed we talk about speed from time to time, but we can come back and uh, and have a quick gander at uh, what's happening on the, the 5G speed front. Oh yeah, 5G speeds. Mm. Uh, but do you want to talk, start with talking about phones, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I will uh, I will confess here and say I'm not an expert on phones, so I went away to somewhere called Tom's Guide, uh, who's just released uh, an article looking at uh, what, like what are the top phones for um, for 2020. Uh, and and uh, as you know, I think top news, I guess, on the on the device front was when Apple announced their their latest round of uh, smartphones and uh, uh, the uh, um, 5G compatible phones. I think pretty much all of the 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 companies now their flagship models are 5G compatible. Um, Apple, the iPhone 12 Pro Max, seems to be the uh, the one to go for, according to Tom. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not an Apple person, so you can tell me whether that's a good phone or not. I have no idea either. Sorry. Sorry, but uh, if if you're not an Apple person like me, you might just consider the Galaxy S20 Plus. Samsung, right? Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, that that that, that uh, it flags for the, the, that particular model is that it's got very broad band support, including millimeter wave, uh, so you can get those really super fast. Mm. Uh, uh, downloads um, and uh, the third model they, they rate is the OnePlus 8 Pro. Um, everybody seems to have adopted a, a naming strategy where it's not enough to have a name and a number they've now got to be a plus or a pro or a max or a <laughs> pro max or whatever um, and that that by all accounts is a very good phone but doesn't include millimeter wave support so you'll get 5G but you won't get like super um, gigabits per second uh, 5G from millimeter wave. Uh, but uh, as we know from talking about Spectrum, 
which bands use. There's a compromise when, with bands between uh, coverage and capacity. So those super fast millimeter wave bands are only available in certain areas. Mm. Uh, which brings us to the talking about speed, really. Yeah. Um, you remember back at the end of the summer, we were talking about, uh, uh, was it 5.4 gigabits per second? We we were seeing as a top world breaking speed on a, on a single device. Yeah, they are. They're always a little bit uh, difficult to read those uh, speed records though. And I think we've talked about that before that it's like it's all in the details. Yeah. So, and and it, and it all does in practical terms it all does come back to how much spectrum does a particular operator have to be able to deliver a service on uh, yeah but we but we saw that our finnish friends at nokia have uh, had some news recently where they talked about uh, two times four gigabits per second um so two devices running at four gigabits per second a total mm. throughput of eight gigabits per second mm. Uh, using using millimeter wave spectrum, uh, quite a lot of it, 800, yeah. 800 megahertz of spectrum. Ah, yeah. So uh, that's another uh, thing that you need to look out for, like how much spectrum are they using for for this test? Yep. Uh, and two and devices that, as well. That's that's and, a little and bit. Two devices, and mm -hmm. uh, that's that, that was done with a test device from from Qualcomm. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's uh, must be new functionality that's not yet come through into, into smartphone devices, and uh, it's uh, they've done that with Elisa, which is one of the operators in Finland. Um, but they are saying that that's you know that will be coming, so that implies that uh, the Elisa have the spectrum, and the uh, the next generation devices will be supporting that. So, so that's uh, good to look forward to. But of course, nobody actually will use four gigabits per second for very long. And certainly for most applications, you know, for those really high speeds means that you'll get your data much quicker, uh, which actually has advantages for the network because, uh, and this, you know, the society basically, because uh, the network shoves all the data to you and then it can then it can shut down and be nice and quiet and save energy. Uh, so there's network advantages to that. Being able to put out data at high speeds means that you can you know you can serve data to multiple users as well. Uh, but there aren't that many um, applications outside of things like doing holographic phone calls and and some of those things which which really going to require super super fast uh, connected data rates. Um, but uh, on a on a similar theme, we also did a, a speed record recently using C-band. Uh, we demonstrated one and a half gigabits to a single user, uh, which might not sound impressive compared to four gigabits to a single user. But this is uh, using much less spectrum in the in this in the C-band, which is um, uh, three and a, let me see. 3.7 to 4.2 gigahertz. Uh, and the significant thing there is that that's bands that are uh, coming up for auction in the US soon. Uh, but there are also bands, of course, that give much better coverage than the millimeter wave spectrum. They, ah. the, 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 so you get a much better reach. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot easier to provide that one and a half gigabits per second or you know, a few hundred mega, megahertz, megabits per second to users over a much broader area. Uh, then you can do that with millimeter wave um, in a uh, uh, you know, really high high uh, data throughput. Yeah, and that brings us actually onto another uh, cool news that I saw um, for 5G usage, which is like, oh, 
reaching reaching distances having i mean because one gigabit per second is still faster than my current um uh, fiber network at least on 100 megabit per second so one gigabit is uh, quite fast still i remember that and uh, i saw i read this article that uh, uh that uh, one of the uh, american operators verizon has uh, uh, made a first deal with uh, with Walgreens to provide fixed wireless access. Yeah, that was that was an interesting case. It, it, mm. it, it doesn't say whether they're going to have 5G in the shops by Christmas, but but basically Walgreens, <laughs> Walgreens, that they, they have uh, something like 9,000 shops, uh, uh, stores, they call them in there because it's American. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost the same language. Uh, so they have 900 stores, and they've done a deal with uh, with Verizon for what we call network as a service. So that's basically providing them connectivity to all of their locations. And so then it's not that the that Walgreens will now sell 5G, but no, no, actually no, no. that their stores are connected. So like all the data from the stores are they're gonna, sent. They're going to connect up their stores, so they're going to build a. A corporate network, if you like, using, uh, amongst other things, 5G. Um, and from the sound of it, then they're going to basically use fixed wireless access to provide a 5G connection to the store. Uh, and then the in-store, you'll be able to use that to provide, for instance, Wi-Fi in the in, in the offices or Wi-Fi in the in the in the um, in the shop itself. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a kind of a classic um, corporate network type of type of solution. Um, yeah. Interesting that it's using 5G, and that and that uh, you know, 5G is one of the first applications. Sorry, fixed wireless is one of the first applications we saw coming along for uh, for 5G, and Verizon were probably first out the gate in terms of, of uh, wanting to put fixed wireless access into the market. Mm. Uh, but it actually highlights one of the other things that we saw in in uh, 2020 was uh, was we did some work and showed how we could actually significantly extend the range that you can achieve on 5G connections for fixed wireless access using massive MIMO. Uh, that makes that type of application a lot easier if uh, if you can you get a longer reach so you don't need to take the the, the 5G connection you know, to a to a base station so near to the building. Um, but uh, really interesting to see that fixed wireless access coming into into play, not just for domestic users users, but also being used for enterprise connectivity. Yeah, which I think we'll we'll hear a lot more about enterprise connectivity going into 2021. Shall we hand over to our guests uh, and go into the interview section? What do you say? Let's go and hear about uh, what's been happening in 2020. Yeah, and uh, again, thanks everyone for for listening uh, and uh, uh, stay safe <laughs> and have a good holiday happy holidays. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in 2021. So um, today we have uh, guests in our little Teams meeting that we are using to record our podcast. We have Cecilia Attervall, uh, Head of Marketing and Communications for Ericsson Networks. Hi Cecilia. 
Hi, Janina. Good to Hi. be here. Welcome to the podcast. And then we have Hannes Ekström, and you are head of Ericsson's 5G Access products. Hi, Hannes. Hi, Janina. Good to be here. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. And we are now looking back at the 5G year of 2020. It's been an interesting year for sure. Uh, and we, yeah, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> yeah, it's been a really interesting year. Yeah. Yes, a lot of things uh, have happened, uh, not just in 5G, but also outside of the 5G sphere, <laughs> right? Uh, it's been, a, as I say, a very interesting year and, and not at all what people expected. No. Um, but, lot, but lots has happened in 5G. Um, we've, uh, we've seen a, a big increase in the number of 5G networks. We've moved from uh, non-standalone to standalone networks. We've seen lots of new geographies and countries take 5G hordes of new devices from from lots of manufacturers in terms of smartphones we've seen uh, 5g moving into industries lots of things to talk about well if we roll back first Ooh. towards one year back one year uh, back. Yeah, one year back. Remember, Paul, we had uh, Thomas Norén on the podcast we <laughs> talking, <did>. about the, <laughs> talking about the 5G year of 2019. And uh, people out there, you can listen to Thomas Norén, <laughs> to, who talks about what happened last year. And then we were very much in the, we had focus on the biggest event of the year. That was us probably uh, last year. Now, we have people here who have the sort of like, who knows all about what we have marketed when it comes to 5G uh, during the year and what we have launched and which products and what developments have happened within 5G during the last year. So should we start off with Cecilia? You want to start off. What was, what was your entry point into 2020, if you look back? First of all, I have to say 2020 has been like this magic year on the horizon for a very long time. I remember when I started making strategic planning horizons for 2020 and all the amazing things we would be doing. And I don't think anyone could have ever imagined what kind of year it turned out to be. Yes. And sometimes a year is, is not only defined by the things that happen, it's somewhat also defined by the things that don't happen. And, uh, and one of the things that you tend to spend a lot of energy and, and focus on as a head of marketing is, uh, is uh, an event like Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. So I think still one of the things that will stand out for me is that when, when we and Ericsson together decided that we actually couldn't see um, a scenario where we would go to Barcelona with the, you know, the pandemic starting to spread around the world. And, mm -hmm. and what, a, what a big and an unexpected decision it seemed to be for, for, for some others, but how very, very, in a way, clear it was for us that we had to make that decision. And then all the impact and effects we, that decision had on how we had to sort of change how we, we marketed and how we worked with our communication all over the year. So I think that's, that's one of the things that I will forever remember, that decision and the, and the impact it had on yeah. our planning. Uh, both, both. I'm, I'm thinking of. Yeah, we, we had these great plans for Mobile World Congress. It was going to be bigger and better and, yeah, more, more uh, eye popping than ever. We had great plans, and then the, the, the best Mobile World Congress. Yeah, ever. the best ever. Just for a change. <laughs> <laughs> and then, right. like, 
Ericsson was one of the first companies who said, no, we're not doing it. That was quite of a shock, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it, I think it was. But now in retrospect, you know how you can look back at a decision and, and you could wonder why, why did we even think it would be possible? But, but at that time, I think it did create some shock waves. And then, of course, the whole event was also cancelled. Uh, just a few, you know, just very short before it would have been taken off. But I, I think all that work that we spent, I mean, across the whole industry, uh, obviously not only Ericsson, I think still uh, were taking us into a very eventful year when it uh, came to news. So, yeah. and things that were planned still happen, right? I think one of the things that really that I was really happy about looking back is the fact that we actually won the GLOMO award, the, the so-called CTO award. So the one award where the GSMA CTOs come together and voted for the best technology breakthrough, and it was awarded to Ericsson for the Ericsson Spectrum sharing. And of course, we had to, you know, we couldn't go to Barcelona to receive the award, but we had our lead expert fly over to London to GSMA headquarters just before the shutdown, and, and we were able to get that. So I think that's things still happen. They just had to happen in very different ways. I think that's my one of my main takeaways of this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Ericsson Spectrum Sharing, just the launching of, of that solution was also something that would have happened that... Uh, uh, Mobile Congress uh, this year, uh, but it has been launched, right, Hannes? Yeah, it sure has, and and I think uh, like like Cecilia is saying, I mean, things this year just had to happen in in very different ways. I mean, uh, just a personal reflection as well. When when we uh, uh, you know went into into working from home and so on, we had to re re steer the way we interact with the key partners as well in the industry from sort of being present there in the lab in one day from to being totally remote um, the, the next day. Uh, and I think we were all wondering a bit how, how would that uh, play out in the end. But when I look back now at 2020, I think we have done amazingly well um, uh, with our partners as well and within Ericsson to bring out the key content. Uh, mm. and. Uh, 2020 has just been, I mean, the year when when things came together for 5G uh, with, with a number of key launches and key products being brought to the market. And of course, Ericsson Spectrum sharing is, is uh, one of the more prominent ones that, that we did. So, um, so to date, actually, we have now 18 service providers uh, globally who have this Ericsson Spectrum sharing solution live in in their networks and and that is empowering them to to launch 5g at scale and and uh, in in large geographies uh, of their network yeah uh, so I, I think that is extremely satisfying to see it sort of bridged the gap between 4g and 5g right because you could use the you could use 4g spectrum for 5g and to recap what it what kind of solution it was yeah that's right uh, and, and i mean this is uh, this is something we have been um, talking about in the industry uh, and and uh, Ericsson started that discussion and invented the solution uh, about three years ago so uh, of course there's a lot of uh, a lot of work has been put into it so seeing these uh, seeing this live now and really empowering uh, these 5g launches uh, globally that is uh, that's a big tribute to 
to the trust that our, our customers put in us, but also the the the, the R and D work that we have done to get this out. I I, I can remember seeing the uh, seeing that demonstrated in in again in Mobile World Congress, and it would probably was three years ago that we that we were showing that. Uh, but I think for one of the things that's interesting for me we, when we talk about um, the, all of the work that we've done on the development side, it's also all the work we've done on the uh, on the network rollout side. Now, in the, in the middle of yes. a pandemic, in the middle yeah. of a pandemic in twenty in twenty twenty, you know, we we now have over seventy live networks, and uh, yeah. you know that's up from twenty four twenty five networks at the end of last year. So uh, you know, huge numbers of networks on a global on a global basis being rolled mm. out in the middle of lockdown in kind of in some cases. Yeah, uh, I think that's an amazing uh, effort spent there by by of course our customers and and our people together i mean going from from 24 to over 70 live networks i think that also illustrates that we are now going from that phase of initial deployment and now we're also moving into a super interesting phase of of the development which is of course when we look to scale the networks both in terms of of coverage and capacity and with the additional technology that is coming to to support that and and I think Hannes of course if you would mention a bit more on some of the technologies but but before you do that I think another one thing worth recognizing is how important it is with partnerships in our industry so I mean if I look back at the year and some of the greatest announcements we have made is it, it is also together with some of our key partners like Intel and Qualcomm and you know you know, all of these and all the customer um, announcements that we have done together, not only in the lab, but actually now out in the field to ensure that we have, you know, the better coverage and, and the capacity with, with our technology. So uh, that's at least what stands out a bit to me. Uh, Hannes, if you would add a bit maybe from the technology side, what, what you think are some of the achievements? Yeah, I mean, on, on a very high level starting there, I think... Uh... Uh, 2020, I will remember it at least as the, as the year when we really built this 5G platform, the 5G innovation platform that, that 5G was meant to be. Um, and I think um, there are a couple of things that need to happen for uh, the ecosystem to innovate on top of this uh, platform. Uh, and that is, of course, you need some, some coverage. We talked about the ESS. You need some some speeds uh, in the network as well and, and low latency uh, and also a, a slicing capability and, and a differentiation capability. And I think that the cornerstones of that are there now uh, after, after 2020. Uh, so highlights being a standalone launch during the year, uh, the world's first standalone launch in, in August of, uh, uh, of 2020. Um, mm. Then we have... Uh, uh, carrier aggregation just now coming to life uh, at at the end of at the end of the year that will allow higher speeds in the network and better user performance, and also the very very wide deployment of massive MIMO technology. Those are yeah. some of the cornerstones for me that that have really come to life this year. Mm. And if we look back at the the speeds of five G, I remember back in the I think it was February, uh, we were very proud uh, for, for having 4.3 gigabit per second speeds. And that is, of course, uh, going up now at the different 
setups is also uh, different spectrum bands, how much spectrum band, how many handsets they have, all of that is the is um, also you need to write, read the fine prints when it comes to speed tests. But of course, that is something that the consumers out there, 5G consumers, look at uh, the speed. Uh, Paul, how can you see that this is this going to be, be just faster and faster? Well, I think what, what are the, one of the interesting things is this year has been uh, not just the, the number of networks, but I think there's a lot of activity in many countries in terms of releasing new spectrum and spectrum is key to capacity. So uh, ah, yeah. you know, we, we see broad rollout of 5G networks with, with you know, some improvement over 4G, but, but really, as, as uh, Hannah said, you need to get to those higher spectrum bands and uh, the massive MIMO radios out there to, to actually provide these really really high throughputs and and uh, and the low latency performance. But when so, you look uh, at what makes uh, 5G really take off, I think, I mean, we, we couldn't go about this podcast without mentioning the importance of the devices, right? I mean, mm. fi- 5G will be the fastest wireless generation ever to implement. So it's like it's happening at the speed rate, you know, one, one and a half, two years faster to implement than what we saw 4G. And and I mean, to have the multitude of devices in an affordable you know, price range and, and, and all, all of the world is also something that, that, that consumers, you know, it's, it's a must for consumers to really take to 5G as well. Yeah. And uh, going back, I mean, the, the whole pandemic also had an impact on the networks. I remember back in the, in, in the spring, we, we had this... Uh, uh, faster rollout uh, of uh, uh, back in the day. I think we I think we were on about thirty five live networks then, say in April, and we had this uh, faster rollout with with US Cellular because they saw that more people were working from home. They needed a better connection in rural areas. So that is also something that's really interesting. It can have a, a positive impact on uh, the the coverage. Yeah, that's right. I, I think it it has shifted uh, in in some geographies, in some markets at least, uh, the demand for coverage and uh, and and capacity, uh, as people work from home and and as mobility patterns look different, right? Um, so so that's for sure an, an area where we have had to be extremely nimble in in the planning and and in the in the execution of of the rollouts with our with our customers. Mm. Um, but I, I think that the interesting thing, though, on, on the high level here is that during 2020, we have been been upping the forecasts uh, continuously for 5G subscriptions. So ah. uh, and now we're saying uh, towards the end of this year, we estimate 220 million subscriptions uh, globally. And by 2026, uh, there would be uh, there will be three and a half billion 5G subscriptions, and that's a significant increase compared to what we thought a year ago. So, out of the 220 million 5G subscribers that uh, that Hannes that you mentioned already by the end of the year, interestingly enough, almost 80 percent of those would be in China. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. China is a big country; many people live there. But it is also a higher penetration of uh, of the total uh, subscription base, if you mean, if you if you mean. And I think what what we can see there is that you know China is is taking a lead in five G, 
Yeah. And and I think even though North America is is working hard to to really be there up front and, and Korea and other countries, I think the region in the world where we see the slowest take up is actually Europe. And and with the current uh, roll up that we see in, across Europe, we we actually believe that Europe is up to two years behind China to reach the same penetration as, as China has today. So I think that's something for for Europe to consider, both as um, looking at the spectrum uh, allocation, but also the investment that that needs to happen for for Europe not to lose the opportunities that comes with the speedy five year rollout. And, and of course, that that that's also reflected a little bit in the structure in Europe. In in China, you have uh, you know three companies that that serve a billion subscribers. Uh, and in Europe, you've got lots of countries, and each country's got three or four operators. So it's it's, it's a very different environment for for actually driving forward a, a, a new infrastructure. Um, so so on the aggregate of things, it, it's it it doesn't look like COVID is slowing 5G down. It seems to be rather the opposite. Operators and also consumers are relying more and more on on these wireless connections. Yeah. And coming back to that, uh, what we did with the US Cellular the, earlier in the year, it actually came back with a, <laughs> with a milestone uh, in, later in the year uh, where, where, we ha- where we managed to have an extended uh, range. Uh, we managed to have a data column of 100 megabit per second over five kilometers, uh, which I think we said something about this uh, um, paving the way for fixed wireless access over 5G as well. Is this something yeah, especially that... Especially uh, as this was on the millimeter wave, it's uh, impressive ah. to be able to reach that kind of, of range, of course. So showing how 5G could actually help to build a, a real alternative to uh, to fiber as a fixed wireless access solution. Mm. So I think that's very, very right. But I, I think you also mentioned, Janina, how, how important it is to have... You know the capacity to really build the networks in the middle of the the COVID time and all the people. I, I think another thing that is fundamentally impressive, I have to say, is how both we and also the operators have been able to deliver and build networks in these times. So the sort of the resilience of our supply chain is just amazing. I mean, in in a in a year when you know hardly no one of us have been you know traveling abroad, we have still had you know. Uh, our factories running and we have been able to leverage the regionalized supply chain that we have. I mean, also with the addition of the US 5G factory that we built uh, earlier in the year as as an increased possibility for production close to customers to just complement the production we already have, you know, in Asia and in Europe and Latin America and, you know, and India and, and so on. So, I mean, the, the ability to, to deliver and build networks to really meet the customer demand is, uh, I think, is one of the, the, the really great achievements of this year as well. Yeah. And I suppose also we could mention, I mean, now, now it's uh, December and, uh, and uh, we still have uh, uh, some stuff, you know, who thinks, <laughs> thinks, things can still happen before the end of the year. But uh, uh, some uh, cool things was that we we won Asia Communication Award for actually the rollout of 5G in in uh, Telstra all, all over Australia. They were they were quite fast there. And also we should mention another dear customer of ours, Swisscom, also winning uh, winning um, 
prizes for their excellent network. That's great to see, right? <laughs> Leading yeah, question. That's great. <laughs> I mean, we really celebrate the customer, customer success here. I mean, it's, uh, it's evidenced by those, you know, having great performance in the network. Mm. And, and I well. think that 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 key focus on performance is another is another thing that sticks out uh, during 2020, and and also the uh, the focus of the industry on these benchmarks that you are mentioning, uh, Janina, uh, like in in Switzerland with the Connect test uh, and 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 the Umlaut test that is called right now. Uh, mm. Another market where where that is extremely. Uh, a lot of focus on this, of course, Korea, where where even the government does um, uh, does independent uh, testing uh, of operators and and uh, implicitly vendors then uh, as well, um, and and those results also came out in uh, in August of uh, of this year were published uh, in in Korean press then um, and uh, yeah it's it's a key market and and where where we focus and where a lot of other uh, players, of course, focus to get the maximum results, and uh, mm -hmm. and there we were extremely happy to come out um, uh, very well in those benchmarkings as well. That's really great. No, I was just thinking one. If I would think about one more area, which is of course has been coloring the year up a little bit, is the discussion around you know openness in networks and how we have uh, actually been also leading up to our cloud ram launch in the end of october with you know bringing people behind the scenes in our tech unveiled where we have the experts you know talking about the different aspects on how to build networks for the future but uh, but having cloud ram launched to the market which then uh, adds the complement to our existing you know purpose built high performing portfolio i, I think it's a uh, it's a really great addition to see how we're also continuing to drive, you know, the development of networks for the future. Yeah, because that was sort of like what I was going to come into now. So like the, the Ericsson Mobility Report has now said, OK, it's one billion 5G subscribers actually have coverage uh, right now, like in the in at the end of uh, 2020. One billion people could have a, a 5G phone and get 5G coverage. So that's a lot of people. What do you see in the near future? What will be the next steps happening for 5G? Well, I think this yeah. is the step where we have put that foundation in place. And now, as we look around the world, um, people start to really understand and use the, the speed and the low latency of the networks. It's almost like that innovation platform is, is put in place and we will start to see new services coming up. That's, I'm really, that I'm, that's what I'm really looking forward to personally. I, th I think there's going to be, a, I mean, if you look forward to 2021, we're going to see a lot of interest, not just from consumers, but, but moving into enterprises and, uh, and businesses. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about devices earlier, but I mean, we, we're going to start see more and more devices that are focused on that kind of Internet of Things uh, dedicated networks area. And, uh, you know, businesses are going to look at what can I do to make my business more efficient. Um, how can I run things in a, you know, in a, a smoother, more automated fashion? And uh, I think that's one of the areas where we're going to see a lot of a, a lot of difference in society, basically. You know how how things work and run because of five G uh, in twenty twenty one and beyond. Mm. I think you're right, Paul. To see what five G was built for from the beginning. Mm. 
and and I mean, even in those areas, we've seen a lot of milestones this year with uh, you know, pilot factories with people like uh, Daimler in in, uh, in Germany and uh, tests in China with uh, with uh, automation in the uh, in the ports and uh, similar things in Italy and and different uh, lots of different use cases um, that are looking at how how to deploy 5G or how to use 5G for for their use case. Yeah, so so 5G will, what you see in the future is uh, 5G uh, like reaching enterprise, the enterprise area. So more connected devices, more connected factories. Oh, there's a lot of interest in manufacturing, in mining, um, in transport. So in mm. use for for on the road systems, uh, in power and utilities. Uh, things like things like sending out drones to to do inspections that you you want them mm. to be able to to run high definition cameras, you know, over the mobile network, it, basically in the middle of nowhere, um, you know. So you you want to be able to have a good 5G connectivity to be able mm. to steer in and handle it in real time. Yeah, Hannes, do you have anything? in the future that you can see from the technology side that you're looking forward to? I think uh, with all these uh, use cases as well that uh, that Paul is outlining, both for, for enterprises and, and also for consumers, um, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a challenge uh, for our industry to keep complexity down in the networks. Um, and so one thing, one technology that we need to leverage more is uh, in the space of uh, AI and ML as well, uh, both mm. for automation. Machine learning ML, right? And AI, exactly. artificial AI intelligence. Artificial intelligence, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so bo both to automate uh, the networks uh, mm. and, and keep the configuration and management of the networks uh, to a simpler uh, to to make that simple, but also to squeeze out the most out of the network so we get get that high performance. And for both of those purposes, uh, I believe a AI and ML then are are sort of untapped uh, potential uh, today, uh, largely, uh, and that uh, that will be a key key part of five G networks moving forward. Yeah. Um, but then but then I agree to uh, I think having built this. Uh, innovation platform now i'm super excited uh, uh, to uh, th that we can be part of driving this uh, this future i mean uh, i think gaming for example is is one of those areas which is uh, a huge industry uh, globally and 50% of it is already mobile today and uh, and of course when you add new capabilities then on, on top of this platform uh, 5G platform, I think there is untapped potential towards consumers for new services and new ways of of interacting and, and gaming, for example, in, in this case. Yeah. So su super exciting. Yeah, and I guess that we will be hearing a lot more about things like network slicing, where you can use just parts of the networks uh, for different uh, scenarios. Yeah, that's that right. Is something uh, that we can look forward to. Exactly. And perhaps we should have more of a deep dive there in our podcast for next year. Uh, thank you so much, Hannes and Cecilia, for uh, coming to our podcast and talking about the 5G year of 2020. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> Pleasure you very much for always. having us. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.